You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Makiki Spider. <laughs> Reference to the film. I like it. Oh, well, way to ruin it. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from the 1990s to the early 2000s, and we take the rose-colored glasses you might have uh, about these movies, and we throw them out the window, and we purposely aim where people aren't going to catch them. And they fall on the ground and split open I and hate, die. I hate you so much. Why do we do this every episode? Because it's funny. Anyway, <laughs> kick off to our listener request month. So uh, excited. What better way to do this than to have it the actual person who requested said movie on the goddamn show with us? Probably a million different ways. Honestly, we could have done it that way, but, but we're going this way. Uh, <laughs> let's introduce Taylor. Hey. <laughs> Great start, Taylor. You're a natural. Uh, Taylor... She has a little bit of history with us. She works with both Zach and I. Mm-hmm. And um, guess what? She's also my lady friend. A lady friend. I guess you could call it that. We're uh, friendly people. Yep. Together. Um, so just stay with me so that this doesn't become a hurtful reminder of our past. <laughs> Darkness. Guys, I feel like this is going to be a weird episode. Like, oh, absolutely. I feel no, like, this is going to be a great time. I feel time. like it, it, this whole episode is going to be one or two of us ganging up on... The left, the last person. Yeah, like, let's just yeah. say the person who requested this movie may have enjoyed it slightly more than the other two people who were forced <laughs> to watch it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's yeah. first tell us, if you didn't know by the title, we're doing 1998's action-adventure family film, Mighty Joe Young. Imba Wimbo. Oh my god. God damn it. We're off to uh, a bad so, start. Taylor, <laughs> let's start off, I guess, with your history of this film because you requested this. This is Listener Request Month, so for the next five weeks, including this, so four more, you're going to hear submitted films from our listeners. Taylor listens to this podcast, and we figured, why not kick off the month with, you know, someone who can actually defend the movie here? So, here you are, Mighty Joe Young. You picked this. What's your history with it? I grew up watching this, absolutely loved it, huge fan of Charlize, she's a goddess, and we need to uh, pay respects to her, but we'll do that later on. I just just loved it growing up. I thought that Joe was just the cutest gorilla on the entire planet, and, you know, Bill Paxton is an American hero, obviously, so... Who? What, what? What's that to love? Brandon, right? what, what about you? What did? You, what do you remember about when this film came out? So this was a movie I saw in theaters, and it was also a movie. This is back in the VC, the VR, the VHS days. Okay, but it was before I owned a lot of VHSs. Mm-hmm. So, quick little story here: uh, a family friend actually dubbed two films on one VHS tape. It was A Night at the Roxbury. And Mighty Joe Young. Are you kidding me? Listen to me. It's a really odd. Great combination. <laughs> I watched that VHS tape incessantly until one night my mother told me explicitly, she was like, I have to go to sleep for just a few hours. Please wake me up in an hour and a half because she had to go to work. And she was like, I'm trusting you with this. Please do this. I got about after Night at the Roxbury ended, Mighty Joe Young started up and I just kept watching. And then it was like three and a half hours later, I realized, looked at the clock and I was mortified. And my mom has never been more disappointed. (laughs) No, she was like, Worst son ever. Can you imagine explaining, like, how do you explain that away? I was watching A Night at the Roxbury and Mighty Joe Young. I just got sucked into the. Uh, cinema masterpieces of Night at the Roxbury <laughs> and Mighty Joe Young. So I'm realizing his name is Joe Young. So mm-hmm. this is kind of like a, a Goodwill Hunting situation yes. where it's just Mighty Joe Young. I thought his name was like they just always referred to him as Mighty Joe Young. That's what I remembered. But a little bit more of the history. Yeah, I, I love this movie. It was a movie I watched a lot as as 
previously stated. Yeah. So I didn't. I only saw this movie like once or twice. I think I saw it once in the theaters, and I saw it once. Uh, probably rented it on VHS, um, but I do remember. I I think the biggest thing was when the trailer came out and thinking I really want to see this. The trailer was so enticing, and it you know I remember the voiceover Mighty Joe Young like that was cool, um, and I remember liking the movie, but it didn't really stick out to me at all. Like I, that would have been a movie I think if I had really liked it, where I'd have been more excited to watch it today. Um, but as it was, it was just kind of one of those things that's like, oh, yeah, like, it was nice to revisit it, but not something that really stuck out to me as one of my favorite movies growing up. Understood. I I thought this was more of a box office success than it actually was. Uh, it was made for $50 million, only wound up making... I'm sorry, it was made for $90 million, only wound up making $50 million. Uh, this was a Disney flick, um, and this was right in the resurgence of doing a lot of live-action stuff. This was before their Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, bread-and-butter shit back in, like, 2003. And also a lot of monkey movies, too. So many we monkey movies about, were released yeah. in the 90s. What were we talking about? Dunstan Checks In? Yep, Ed. Ed, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, all those other great ones. We were <laughs> <laughs> all of you know there was so many other monkey movies we were thinking There's of. There's a lot of monkey movies. But anyway, this movie, uh, it's directed by Ron Underwood. Now, this guy brought us Tremors and City Slickers, and then he also brought us The Adventures of Pluto Nash. <laughs> the greatest, the greatest piece of cinema And history. he actually has not directed a feature film since 2005's In the Mix starring Usher. Whoa. I mean, that was enjoyable. Get out of here right now. <laughs> this was actually nominated for an Oscar for Best Visual Effects. Rick Baker was actually credited. He's the guy who won the very first Best Makeup Effect Oscar for An American Werewolf in London. The guy's been nominated countless times, actually for Norbit. Every time I get to remind people that Eddie Murphy's Norbit was nominated for an Oscar, I, I get that opportunity. I take that chance. Mm, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's won seven Oscars. Anyway, did he win the Oscar? He for... did not win the Oscar yeah, for this, but okay. it was nominated. So, Mighty Joe Young, yeah. Oscar-nominated film. All right. Well, uh, so really quick before we get into it, uh, critical success. How'd it do? Five point six on IMDb and a fifty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. No, not bad at all. That's fifty percent. That's actually pretty high. One of the higher. I mean, I'd score it a little higher, but you know, we'll, oh, see. we'll get into yeah, that. We'll get into Taylor. that. You Don't need to you calm worry. down. Cool your jets, yeah. but. Let's start into it. Uh, Mighty Joe Young. We start off on this family of gorillas, right? Is this a clan of gorillas? I don't know what you call them. They're not a pod. I know that. A pack? Pack of gorillas. A family? Go with a pack. I, I, I said family previously, but no one attached to that, so I just kept going. Well, yeah. You, you guys need to engage with me. <laughs> <laughs> you talk, and we just kind of like space out. It's no, like... so we're introduced to uh, Ruth Young. She's like this Jane Goodall type, you know, loves gorillas and monkeys and whatnot, and uh, she's a researcher. She Does she live in this jungle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's there solely to take care of these gorillas. I get what the pack is that what you called it? The pack of gorillas. She's a primatologist, I guess. It's technically keep, her job. You title. guys keep talking about the plot. I'm going to look up a family of gorillas. Hold on. Thank you. Uh, so Jill is young Charlize Theron, and actually the the actress who plays Ruth looks a lot like Charlize Theron. It was good casting. Yeah, they look a lot alike. So you are telling me this, you found this, their relationship quite endearing as a child? You enjoyed this mother-daughter relationship? I did. I felt like she was really trying to set a good example for young Charlize and just, I mean, you felt the connection. I think that you felt a lot of emotional connection in this movie. That might have just been me, but... That 
you know, it, it, it absolutely could have just been you. And uh, uh, just want to interrupt really quick. It is a band of gorillas. Oh shit! I like a that. Band. I like, like the that. band, the gorillas. Yeah, no, I like that. Good job. Awesome. Wow. Thank you. Google. Feel good, Inc. All right. So there's an infant gorilla. Uh, we're introduced to. Come on, that was six years later. What are you doing? All right. So someone had to do it. Holy shit! You're late, <laughs> Joe. Uh, he's this little gorilla who's actually. Let's get this out of the way. All these gorillas, they're all monkey suits. They're all guys in monkey suits, okay? Yep. I don't... Buddy, that was the other uh, gorilla movie or monkey movie we were talking about, by the way. Uh, we're talking about anyone, late delivery. What are you doing? Because I remind, I was reminded because of the animatronic. They're like... They're, they're part, you know, Halloween costume gorilla and then half like detailed animatronic mm-hmm. face and whatnot. Yep. So try to picture that, but also try to picture a really small one played by Vern Troyer, a.k.a. <laughs> Mini-Me. That's what they have going in this, and it looks like a fucking stuffed animal running around. That is not true. I thought it was incredibly lifelike. You did not. No, I did. did. I did. I thought that no. when I was a kid and I was watching it, and I thought it now, which I think says a lot. This so. summer, I watched War for the Planet of the Apes, and I watched Caesar... Take down some people. That's realistic. Too much CGI. Oh the, my are you, god! If you, if you tell me right now that the effects in Mighty Joe Young are superior to that of the Planet of the Apes franchise reboots today, no comment. We're breaking. Oh my god! <laughs> this is the oh end. My god. Guys. <laughs> it's the worst nostalgia be damned ever. <laughs> why, did we, why did we do this? This was such a bad idea. So. Anyway, there's these poachers. Nightfall comes, and they're led by this Andre Andrej. Is that his name? Andrej. He's a very Russian know. stereotypical bad guy. He's a poacher, and he's got his right hand man Garth with him, which is the best <laughs> name for a henchman, by the yeah. way. Garth. And they're constantly shaking this goddamn keychain. It's got like metal things and rope, and it's real annoying. But they come in there with dogs and whatnot, and if you're going to try and hunt an animal, aren't you going to try and sneak up on it? They are making so much noise. I don't know. I guess it's a tactic used by poachers to maybe, like, confuse them a little bit. And I don't poach. Separate I them know. from the uh, the group or the band, if you will. Good job. Good yeah. pull. So the villagers pretty much band together to, <laughs> to try and stop the poachers uh, because they, they, I guess they're friendly with this band of gorillas. They don't seem to, you know, they're just like, they're out in the nature. They've got their home. We've got our home. You know, they're very they're not harming anyone. Exactly. Exactly. So they try to protect Joe and his family. But guess what? Joe's mom gets shot. And then Ruth gets shot. And yeah. then, it's, so we're elevating from poaching to murder in five minutes. And it doesn't blink. We're five minutes into a Disney movie for families, and the mom is murdered in cold blood, and nobody's like, nah, maybe we should track that guy down. Well, it's not that he shoots her once, like, accidentally. Like, he shoots her several times, oh, and just takes, it doesn't care. He there, takes there's no aim. thought. He and takes and he realizes afterwards, and he's like, oh, just leave her there. She's a hero. She deserves to die like one. Ugh, God. Then Joe, watching his mother get shot, attacks him, bites off his goddamn thumb and trigger finger. And in case you didn't know he bites off his thumb and trigger finger, he says, Oh, he beat off my hand and trigger finger. Excellent. I was yeah, going to say, it you. was like he Very was good. sitting in the room with thank me. You. Thank you. Uh, I would pronounce his last name or his first name, but I can't. Uh, the real actor. All I will tell you is he looks like he is the the guy, the bad guy from Taken Two. If you've seen any of the Taken movies, he looks like a bad guy from Taken. That's there we go, okay. <laughs> Just picture that guy. It's kind of stereotypical. No, get out of here. No, we're not going down this aisle. We're not. Have I, we established where this is taking place? By the way, so oh, it starts shit. off in Africa. Yes. Yeah. And then it goes to California. California. I'm gonna walk over this table and kill you. <laughs> now is not the time for the OC. But anyway, moving forward. 
No, at this point, Jill rushes over to Joe because she wants to make sure that Joe is okay, and she tries to keep him quiet while the bad guy, whose name is... Yeah, whatever. We're not going to get into yeah, it. We're just going to call him anyway. villain. We're just going to call him villain yeah. for the rest Thumb, of this podcast. Thumbless villain yep. uh, mm-hmm. is freaking out, talking about how he's injured and he wants to take revenge, but Jill is keeping Joe quiet. And we can't see his face because it's supposed to be a super big reveal later. Once the coast is clear, she rushes over to Mom. All right, so you stopped me for that? I did. It's important to get these facts. I love you. <laughs> so, no. So she go, she rushes over to her mom, and her mom saddles her with this enormous burden and says, promise me that you will keep Joe safe. And, and then? I promise. And the they, best part. This is the second time they've sung this this little lullaby? Is that what this is? Impa wimpa, no pelo. Akachi? Like a Sakachi? I'm, I'm probably getting <laughs> that the really language good. wrong really, That was really good. <sighs> but uh, yeah, this thing comes up again and again, and it's kind of weaved into the score there, uh, produced by James Horner. I believe oh, thank that's you. the uh, Yeah, thank you. I was composer. wondering, too, who did this score? He's a really good composer, James yes. Horner. If you don't cry during the scene while like Jill is just like watching her mother yep. die, you have no soul. Well, then, no soul. count us count soulless. soulless. <laughs> Two soulless did gentlemen sitting here did all. not even wince. <laughs> Made a couple jokes, actually. <laughs> so, after this little funeral sequence where uh, so many petals, you know, so many flower petals are being thrown, and uh, Jill and Joe are solidifying their bond, hard cut 12 years later, same African jungle, and we are introduced to the greatest American hero we've ever known. Bill Paxton. God, R.I.P. It was oh a sad God, experience yeah. watching him in this. Like, he is a treasure, and Majestic. he will be missed. Yeah. I think I said during this scene, so he's driving a Jeep into the village. I could have watched uh, a two-hour movie <laughs> of just Bill Paxton driving. Like, my <laughs> God, that he smile. looks great. Let's and talk the about the flow. Oh, Let's talk hair. about the flow. So Lord. much hair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he arrives. He works for this wildlife refuge. And what is he doing up here? Is he technically collecting blood samples? Is that why he's actually there? Supposedly. Because he also has this other agenda where he's looking for this legend, a.k.a. Joe, uh, which the villagers believe in and they they fear um, just this larger-than-life creature that lives in the woods. So he's also kind of after that. Anyway, Naveen Andrews, the guy from Lost, right? Guys, let's take a moment to appreciate Lost and all that it's worth. But however, if I rolled up and saw Saeed from Lost (laughs) in the woods, I would say, how did we get here? Let's also talk about how this character is fairly racist. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, again, like if we've seen, if you guys know Cal Penn and Harold and Kumar, his impression is is this, it was what this guy's doing the whole time. It's kind of weird. It's pretty bad. They're getting blood from this leopard for whatever reason. It's really not even explained. Then enters Joe, who at this point in time is now 15 feet tall. He weighs 2,000 pounds. And guess what? It's never explained. I don't understand why this gorilla is so enormous. Is it because he's taken in by Charlize that her care made him grow this large? Uh, I don't think so. He's no different than any of the other baby gorillas in the very beginning of this movie. There's nothing said that's supposed to like lead up to why he grows this big. I don't get it. Does it even say it in the plot summary that you usually bring? Because it, like... There's, they don't even mention it. They're just like, yeah, he's big. No. And not one person, not Bill Paxton, not like any of the poachers or any of the researchers go like, why? Well, no, and you also brought up, too, that like gorillas are typically what? I mean, how much do they 
I'm not a gorilla uh, expert, yeah, seven but I would imagine like, yeah, or something like that, 800 maybe? pounds, maybe. 800 pounds. Harambe. That's what Harambe, really, yeah, 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 rest in Picture peace. Harambe, yeah. yeah. Not this goddamn thing. This thing's huge. And so basically how they shot this was it was a guy in a suit and they shot him on miniatures and then put a green screen behind him to kind of put him into scale with the other actors and whatnot. Which I'm a big fan of doing stuff like that because I really like, I mean, they did this a lot in Lord of the Rings when it came to the Hobbits. Um, If it's done right, it is one of the most brilliant tactics in filmmaking, I question sometimes whether or not in this particular film it's done right, but I appreciate the effort all the same. True. I mean, this is back in the late 90s when they were still utilizing animatronics pretty heavily in film. And this one's not bad. This was, you know, again, billed as a very effects heavy film. Mm-hmm. I also like the use of animatronics. I mentioned that in our episode with Jurassic Park 3. Yes. That I could really didn't like. Anymore, yeah. yeah, that I didn't like that they use they use less animatronics and Jurassic World, that they use less animatronics in those movies than they did in the first two. So... It's kind of it's kind of a hit or miss thing for me because in this movie, while I appreciate he's on set uh, for the most part, there are some CGI shots of him running and whatnot. There's some bad green screen and shot mixing that it. The details in the face, his facial expressions, sometimes it, it's just I never believed it. I never for a second didn't believe thought that this was a real gorilla. You know what I mean? See, I strongly disagree, and okay, here's why. Okay. I feel like a lot of times with CGI, it's hard. Ooh. It's hard to believe that they're actually there, but maybe it's because he looked so realistic, in my opinion, that I'm like, oh, this dude is literally chilling like with Charlize and Bill Paxton. Like, I believed it. Like, I thought his facial expression looked very real. I think it's hard to create a 2,000 pound gorilla and compare him next to an actual gorilla, but I thought even the facial features... um, they looked a little off to me. The eyes didn't look right. Granted, again, I'm not a gorilla expert, but <laughs> but I feel like it's been done better in other movies. We mentioned a lot before this podcast, um, and you mentioned it in this podcast, uh, the new Planet of the Apes movie. Oh, for sure. Um, which right. obviously utilized CGI, but I feel like there's a lot more detail put into a primate's face in those. I'm even thinking back similar times. This is this would be when, you know, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes came out. And while I don't like that movie, the effects and the makeup in that... That movie looks good. Yeah, I'll it, go up to they bat They feel the like they're there, you know movie, what I mean? I, I don't know. Again, I wasn't taken out of the movie, I'll say that. It, it's, it, was similar, it was similar to Free Willy, yeah. which this movie draws a lot of comparisons in my oh, mind. Oh, absolutely. There is a lot of Free Willy in this movie. We'll get to that. Minus now. a great Michael Jackson song, but let's get back into this. So again, it was 12 years later. Bill Paxton's here. He finally witnesses, you know, all the insanity that is Mighty Joe Young. He's pissed off at this point because people are in his jungle. And he kind of goes, bananas. (laughs) Crickets. I will literally slap your face off your face. (laughs) So Paxton and the crew start driving after Joe. There's this whole, you know, elaborate set piece action sequence. Uh, he's flipping cars and shit. Paxton is so giddy. He's so excited, like the the raw intelligence and strength of this creature. You know, he wants to find it and maybe put it in his refuge. So Ooh. he orders the crew to go back to where it, the fuck out. Anyway, he goes into the jungle with this Radio Shack you know, <laughs> on sale video camera. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it is. Trying to go search for him. Uh, you know, he sees his little footprint. And then, not only does he spot Joe, but he also sees 
Charlize Theron in all her Thank glory. God, this is 23-year-old Charlize Theron in this. Bill Paxton, 43. Only a goddamn stud like that could could you know have this romantic subplot with with her at this time. Let me tell you something. How long has it been since this movie? She was almost 20, twenty years. She was yeah. twenty three. So my god, she's pushing forty now has at this point. Not aged. A she bit. looks beautiful, no matter what age she is. She looks amazing. It, now, especially when you consider some of the mo- movies she's doing now, she barely looks like she's aged. I mean, let's talk about Mad Max real quick without getting really, like, off topic here. Like, she was balding, a little rusty looking, and she still looked hot. We were talking about this a lot, that she looks effortlessly sensual. Does she not in this movie? Again, I don't really like to objectify women, so I don't really think that's my spot to <laughs> Are really comment. Are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Taylor sits in no, on no. one episode. <laughs> She listens to. I know this is the one time I condone you saying that someone looks beautiful. Yeah, no. She and and, and that's the weird thing about this movie is that because she's so effortlessly sensual, her interactions with Joe seem super weird. It borders on the strange, just just a little weird. Especially like there are parts where she's like, "Hey, big boy," and we're like, "Mm." It is a little cringeworthy, yeah. And she's like stroking his arm like, hey. So when Joe finds Bill Paxton, he freaks the fuck out. He grabs him and then she winds up coming over, you know, making sure that he drops him. And then he wakes up out of basically a coma he's been in a day or whatever. (laughs) Um, He's in this village and he's trying to find both of them. Have you seen a girl? She's beautiful. I see what he describes her. He's goddamn American. She's beautiful. I also want to mention that we got to backtrack real quick when he was talking to, again, I'm going to call him Saeed. His name is not Saeed. What's his name in the movie? His name is Pindy. Pindy. Well, anyway, Bill Paxton talking to Pindy, he goes, looking for a legend? Why would I want to do that? Oh, my God. We did gloss over that. And beautiful especially when Joe is like running through or initially, he's always like, look at the way he moved. Magnificent. Well, he's obsessed with this yeah. creature at this point. I am, too. So he wakes up the next day and uh, he starts creeping on Charlize. Like he winds up finding her in the jungle. She's playing hide and seek with Joe, which comes up several times throughout this movie. He's filming her on the weirdest video camera. What ever. is that? It's Even for 90. Even for the nineties, we were like that. I don't think they did make cameras like this. But once again, he finds Paxton and again tries to murder him. Like Joe hates Bill Paxton this entire movie. Competition. Can we talk about the runtime of this movie? Sure, the one (laughs) hundred and seventeen minute long runtime. This is the god. This is the Godfather for children's films. Do you think we could have cut out at least one of the scenes he tries to kill Bill Paxton? (laughs) Bill Paxton. We could have, but families wouldn't have loved it as much. No, good old family violence. So he knows who Jill is. He has this whole... He's like, oh, you're Jill Young. I knew about your mother. And then he goes into... <laughs> some really bad great Bill Paxton. Paxton. Sorry. Really Bill Paxton. sorry. But uh, can we get into why Bill Paxton is exactly here at this point? Because she's been fine for the past 12 years. I don't get this. She's been fine for the past 12 years living with Joe in the jungle. Then he shows up with his gang of merry poachers, I guess. But he works for a wildlife refuge. But, like, he also pretends like he doesn't know that they're poachers. He absolutely knows that they're poachers. Yeah, I think he does. He does, because when he pays for their help, he's like, those are poachers. Yeah, so he does this. He then finds Joe and then tells her, like, hey, you've got to put him somewhere safe because guess what? Poachers are just going to come out here and kill him. You brought them. You brought the poachers. Yeah, this, he's pretending fine. like his intentions were good and that Joe was in jeopardy. No, that's your fault, Bill. They weren't even coming up there. They were scared. 
But they make this whole like deal, like they're going to go to California, they're going to put him in this safe, you know, uh, conservancy, I believe it's called, and he, where he can roam free and have a nice big old habitat and live his life peacefully without the, you know, threat of poaching. Now, mind you, Charlize, I'm not gonna, well, Jill, she just met this guy and she's like, yeah, okay, Bill Paxton. And then like a hot minute later, she's like, sure, let's go to California. California. I'll, I'll kill you. California. I mean, I would trust Bill Paxton if he said, let's go to California, too. I, mean, I guess. I feel real. like we're ragging let's on Bill real. Paxton. We should, he's an American hero. He, he's not the villain of this film. I just want to get that out there. But I am confused about his motives but from the get-go. But he does get-go. set forth a uh, timeline of really terrible events that are all his fault. Let's not pretend that it didn't happen that way. Meanwhile, we catch up with the villain who in this 12-year time period has become kind of rich and he's also built this like fraudulent animal preserve or something in Botswana. I don't know what the fuck's there's going giraffes. on there. Anyway, <laughs> there's giraffes yeah. hanging out. And, and he's like buying CGI. animals, but you can still tell he's still evil, but he owns a I just, whatever. I, maybe this is just for tax purposes or whatever, but it seems like he's also saving animals, but I can tell it's a bad business. Right. <laughs> but I don't know what he's doing. You know, no, it's because evil. they have like the skulls of yeah. animals like around his living area. So. Yeah. And there's all this talk about this giant ape, but he doesn't believe anybody. Uh, he's 2,000 pound gorilla. Ridiculous. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. I'll kill You're you. Fired. You Garth- are. <laughs> I can't get over Garth the Benchman. Saeed, a.k.a. Pindi, uh, when he's calling said villain in this movie. Anytime you get a phone call from Saeed who says, listen, I found a 2,000-pound gorilla. I want you to hop on a plane and come see me. Let's get back to Lost. Saeed is telling you to come on a plane. No. Stay where you this are. This show is not about Stay Lost. Stay where you are. Taylor, I told you before we went on the show that we would not mention Lost. <laughs> no, but like, real talk. So, no. Speaking of Lost and Jungles, we fade from that jungle to the urban jungle. Do you like that little cut, though, that they do? That it's like vines and roads? Guys, I hated Lost. No! It's okay. I never watched it. I didn't watch it, so I, I don't know what happens in there. Oh. So <laughs> so the trio heads to Los Angeles, and they immediately win the hearts of the staff there, who, by the way, there's some key players. Regina King, fresh off Jerry Maguire. I just, I want to be Regina King's friend. That's all. <laughs> oh, I think we all want to be Regina King's friend, Taylor. <laughs> there's also David Pamer, I believe, is the actor. The worst. He, you've seen him in so many things. He always just yeah. plays like... An assholey middle-aged man. He's been middle-aged for forty years. I don't understand. God yeah, bless. but don't give up on him. He redeems himself. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Spoiler oh, God alert! Come on, spoiler alert, Taylor. So Joe arrives to the preserve finally, and he's kind of a little bitch. He's just hiding in the Ew. trailer the whole time. It takes a whole Ooh, like a whole baby ordeal bitch. to get him out. If you're dragged out of your home, I think that you'd act the same way. No, you know grow what? up, stupid monkey. Yeah, exactly. Like, but fast forward to that night. They can't sleep, neither Joe nor Jill, because she's not used to the 90s amenities that we have today. All of the lights. What was that? It's all of... No, it was a really bad rendition of whatever you were trying to do, you piece of shit. But they can't sleep. That's a whole thing. He's, you know, whining around. This, this should be called Mopey Joe Young, am I right? Mopey Joe, yeah. <laughs> You've literally all made, already made that joke. No, I haven't. Not yet. Have I said that already? Twice. Twice. No, guys, yeah. if I said that, if I said Mopey Joe Young already, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it earlier before we started recording. Did you? I don't know. Whatever. <sighs> it's a bad joke, dude. Fuck <laughs> you. Oh, my God. 
The next morning, the sirens are going off. It appears Joe is freaking his shit. Let me tell you, this scene is actually kind of cool. There's a lot of destruction. This scene is a lot of Mighty Joe fun. <laughs> Come on, you guys. You've been waiting so long to say that. You start, no, like 10 hours ago, you were like, guys, I'm going to tell the best joke. Get ready for it. That doesn't matter. I feel like we're glossing over Mopey Joe Young. <laughs> we didn't even give that to you do. Like, what Stop saying Mopey Joe Young. It's not going to work. I, I already got the tattoo. I already got the Mopey Joe Young tattoo. Fuck. Well, I've already submitted Mighty Joe Fun to the patent office. <laughs> I ate all of us right now. All right. So the next morning, the sirens are going off. It appears that Joe is going crazy on Harry, the doctor there. And But guess what, dude? He's just playing hide-and-seek. It's not even, like, he's not even mad. He's just playing hide-and-seek because... You found me. Yep, Charlize runs up, and she's like, just tell him you found me. Yeah, he's having Mighty Joe fun. This isn't going to work, <laughs> But it works, and Joe calms down, and then he goes to hide, and it's a great... You know, like, the crowd was cheering in the fucking movie theater, I'm sure, when this happened. People were on their feet. Oh, laughs a minute. So the guy who runs this whole deal, I guess, sees this as an opportunity to raise some money. Like, he sees it as, like, a fundraising tool, basically, for this conservancy. And that's when Jill starts hugging up on Paxton. This is the blossoming of a little little romantic tangle, you if know? If you don't get a little flustered watching these two people hug, they're maybe the most beautiful people in the world. Ever. <laughs> it truly is majestic watching them clutch. <laughs> It's Meanwhile, the villain is watching Mike Joe Young on CNN. They're doing some fucking story on there. And again, his Garth, his henchman comes up and says, hey, you know what? There's a goddamn gorilla. So once he sees this in, you know, reality, he decides to send Garth on over because he has what I believe is one of the most elaborate plans yeah, <laughs> this is insanity. What he expects to we're just, happen. We're just going to reveal it so we can just kind of power through it. He wants to buy Mighty Joe Young or Joe Young. He wants to Joe. buy Mr. Joe Young. Thank you. He wants to buy Mr. Joe Young and he wants to transfer him over to his fake animal reserve so he can kill him in Botswana. In Botswana. Just wanna, he wants to cut him up and sell him piece by piece is a line he delivers. Yeah. Jesus. So Garth goes to the. Uh, Preserve, Jesus Christ, there's so many words. I get already like five beers in, guys. This is a bad night. He gets to the preserve and he starts jangling that goddamn keychain thing he had earlier. And and Joe is triggered. Vietnam flashbacks. He freaks out. Vietnam? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like funny. a war. So this is cross cut with a little night a moonlit sand beach walk oh my god lovely romantic can we can we flash back to casper real quick and that beautiful song that plays at the end because that's the song i feel like should be playing on the beach while they're walking on there right now you know what i'm talking about could you remind us what the song i'll make a wish for you that's perfect you know really good hope it will come true this is a great scene though i love this they're on the boardwalk and they're you know it's kind of awkward at first she's clearly like new to this and he's bill paxton so he's like he's a pro i think she said she'd never been on a date before she did and he also says my grandfather used to take me fishing under this pier yeah which is a weird (laughs) thing to say but it's okay because there's a lot of chemistry between these two actors you can definitely feel the mighty joe love (laughs) get out get out i hate you so much dude God, I hate you. All right, so she gets a page, though, on her sweet-ass 90s beeper. She arrives and realizes Joe has lost his shit again. He's destroyed more of the goddamn place, right? 
So again, to calm his ass down, we get the third reading of the goddamn lullaby. You want to serenade him one more time, hon? Imba weebo no bello If you just grunt, it sounds like it. Yeah. Boogaloo offs. He puts that in everyone. Now I hate you. After this, Joe asks the bigwigs if, you know, they'll postpone this dinner they're going to be having. Basically, look at this monkey we bought event. <laughs> and Look at this monkey we bought event. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's kind of event. RSVP, please. Uh, she tells him, you know, you got to postpone it. He's not ready. He's got to calm down. He's got to, we got to figure out what's wrong with him before things, you know, get going. But the guy's like, you know what? I see dollar signs, eat shit and die. On her way out there, though, she bumps shoulders into said villain guy who tells her his plan pretty much was like, hey, I want to buy Joe or send Joe over to this, you know, my refuge. It's a safer place. It's in Botswana, by the way. You know, nice jungle area. Not this urban jungle, California. Um, yeah, great. It'll be it'll be a good time for all. And this will this will be a win win. And she doesn't recognize him, despite the fact that he's wearing two leather fucking fingers. You know what? She's probably trying not to remember the tragic events that happened that revolved around her mother dying. Maybe she's repressed the memory. So anyway. <laughs> so cut to the night of this gala or whatnot, and boom, Charlize Theron stunning in a white gown. Oh my god, she's... Let's just take a moment to appreciate Charlize, the goddess that she is. You know who else appreciates her? This old couple who was in one stop. shot that I we couldn't stop laughing. It's the weirdest bit of dialogue. Just these two ancillary characters that in, get introduced literally never in a shot. Come back, never, never come back. Never seen them before. But again, the audience has shown stunning Charlize Theron. Like, literally drop-dead gorgeous. Beautiful. Cuts to this old couple. The wife's like, who is that? I feel like I recognize her, but I don't know who it is. And then What the does she guy, look like? What does she look like? And the old guy's like, oh, she looks like you when you were younger. No connection to any anything else after that or anyone else also, after that. Also, super rude. Like, I get, the, I convey that message is, now you look like shit. Again, this yeah. is a, well... If somebody told me that, like, when I was younger, I looked like Charlize, I would have been like, oh my god, bless you, thank you so much. I'm, all right, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> you got no, the so monkey's like, paw on that one. <laughs> I was being quite Mighty Joe dumb. Yeah, you know what? It was funny when Zach... Are you mind. kidding me? <laughs> That was a great Mighty Joe pun. <laughs> All right, they're done. We're no more no more title puns. So Garth, meanwhile, still outside fucking with Joe. I guess outside a little like shaking his keychain or whatnot during this whole dinner. And Joe decides to crash the party, blows in through the tent or whatnot. Literally. Literally starts throwing people. One guy gets his leg crushed. Oh, my God. He also, loses that a, leg. This is a Disney movie. It there was a lot of violence. He loses that leg. Another guy gets thrown across the tent and, like, hits a solid wall and falls into the table. I feel like this movie has a pretty high body count at this point. We have one dead gorilla, one dead mom, one leg lost, and another guy who's probably dead from, you know, internal blood. Bleeding. Scarred, truly. There's also a flashback when he gets the shaking of the co- <laughs> like he remembers getting hit like hit with a gun and like biting off the guy's fingers. He recognizes him and everything. That's the other thing. I, I think this gorilla is smarter than most gorillas. I, again, I know that they're smart in real life, so I don't know how much they're exaggerating. Obviously, there's shit in he, that he does in this movie that you know is probably out of the realm. But 
is he also smarter than your average gorilla? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, like, Charlize has several conversations with him, and Joe understands her. He does her. get it. Like, he understands human language, right? Yeah. So maybe this is the beginning of one of those Rise of the Planet of the Gorillas movies. That'd be a you scary first... You think this first... is the beginning? Could you imagine if he was the one if leading the uprising? If he was the, the first gorilla to, like, revolt against humanity? Oh, my God. God damn you! So everyone at this point super sad. They think, oh, we got to get rid of Joe. He's become a liability, um, and we can't keep him anymore. Charlize very upset. Uh, the entire staff just really down. Um, and the only person that I could say who appears to be more sad is Morose Joe Young. Oh, and he is sitting outside all depressed. But... He gets put in a jail cell while everybody's trying to figure out what to do with the gorilla, and that's when him and Bill Paxton form a bond. Dude, they, like, shake hands and everything. They shake hands, and, you know, everybody's really sad because Charlize Theron is arguing that uh, you can't keep him in here. Uh, he's too big or something. I don't know. It, it gets muddled. Honestly, I was kind of checking out plot-wise. Well, yeah, point. at this point, they decide they got to sneak him out. So they got a trailer backed up. They actually decide that they're going to send him to Botswana with the goddamn villains of the movie. You're saying Bob Swana? It's actually Botswana? I Botswana. I think I heard Botswana. Yeah, we're going to... Everyone else knows what you've just you done. You can just cut that out, you fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> I might yeah, leave that in. Yeah, leave that in. All right, uh, please... <laughs> So on their way out, as they're driving out, though, the doctor appears to be helping him. Like, they're like, oh, I'll open the gate or whatever. Like, he's on team good side now, right? I also have to backtrack really quick. So they're smuggling Joe out. Yes. And uh, Charlize Theron literally shoots the police officer with a trank gun in the neck. There's a lot of problematic scenes in this movie. Like, she can get arrested. Assault of a police officer. (laughs) That's years, brother. But it's Charlize. That's true. true. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, the doctor's on their side now. At this point, though, Paxton plants the kiss of a lifetime. It's smooth and sensual. I mean, I felt something. As a little girl? Or this time viewing? Well, I mean, just like in general, like... Throughout your life. Throughout my life. I mean, it's Bill Paxton. Yeah. I mean, like, they were, like, the couple of the century. All right, I think we're overselling this. I don't know how many people... No, I mean, I watched as a kid, and I remember, like... Sorry, Brandon. I remember, like, as a little girl, I was like, oh, my God, like, I want a boyfriend like Bill Paxton. He's a lot older, so it sounds really creepy. How disappointing Disregard, disregard. No, it was really weird that you just said, sorry, Brandon, as if I'm nothing like Bill Paxton. How disappointed are you that Brandon is not Bill Paxton? I'm disappointed in myself that I'm not more like Bill Paxton. I mean, your hair's a little bit shorter, but... All around me are familiar <laughs> faces. All right. So they're on their way to, I guess, a boat to go to Botswana is what we're led to believe. But Charlize is riding in the front with the, like literally a villain on either side of her. Garth's yeah. driving and the bad guy's sitting next to her. And he's he's delivering all this very leading dialogue. Just, yeah. I mean, he gives away everything. He She's like, so how do you lose your fingers? And he's like, oh, let's just say it was from... A monster. <laughs> yeah, and then he no, says... he basically could have said, like, oh, by the way, I shot your mother, and she still would have been like, oh, I wonder what happened. <laughs> but she also has a flashback. Yeah, yep, then she remembers, oh, him saying all that stuff about the... It off, bit off my trigger finger and thumb, or whatever the fuck. Anyway, cut, flashback two. Then she starts elbowing people. Meanwhile, Bill Paxton is on the run. He's trying to catch up with her and uh, warn her that she's, you know, driving with the villains. She manages to escape the truck 
jumps out of the moving yeah. vehicle. Pretty sweet. And not safe. No, not safe at all. We get this whole little action scene where, you know, a little, little car chase, dude. I like that in my action adventure family film. Yeah, the rest of this movie is essentially on cocaine. It's crazy. Well, no, I wouldn't say... it. it it's just a normal pacing of what you'd expect a children's film because it has been a goddamn slog to get to this point in the film. You say slog? Yeah, it's a yeah, word. Slog. It's slow. It's a long movie, 114 minutes, and now we're <laughs> finally getting to the climax. It just seems a long time coming. But Joe escapes from the truck yep. by just kind of tipping it over. Ruins everybody's plan, but now he is loose in California, dude. Oh, no! Oh, no, monkey loose in California. He's just, like, running into kids. People are watching him, like, wait, is that a gorilla in the streets of California? We yeah. get a great cameo from the uh, chick from Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but she plays uh, Andy's girlfriend. Then he winds up, like, seeing a, a car. It sets off alarm. He's like, oh, what is this? He beats the shit out of a car, destroys the car. Then he starts climbing some shit, and then the police, rightfully so, close in on this. And at this point, we all have to understand, this... Gorilla has done so much destruction to this town. He needs to be put down. Like, oh, no, think about the thousands of dollars that it would take to like repair the city after this. That's that's what I thought when well, I was watching as this. As you mentioned, Harabi got shot for saving a kid. This yeah. guy is destroying so much public property and putting so many countless lives in danger. I'm pretty sure people <laughs> die during this rampage. Oh, absolutely. Actually, I want to we'll get into it in like a minute when we get to the carnival scene, but yeah, there. I mean, the body count starts to go up in this movie. This is a crazy sequence of events. So he sees this, like, carnival spotlight and, yeah. and decides that that must be Charlize Theron's flashlight or whatever we're yeah, told later on. Yeah, that's how she used to, like, get his know. attention or whatever. And so he has to cross a freeway and whatnot and eventually gets to, I guess it's pretty much a pier, this carnival going on. So Paxton and uh, Shirley Steren arrive as well, and the guy, the villain guy, is trying to shoot her in public. With He's a sniper like a rifle, rifle. Yeah. yeah. And then Garth has a change of heart, becomes a good guy. This whole movie is good, bad that, guys, slightly yeah. bad guys turning good. Yeah, who'd have figured that Garth would be the fucking hero? But he knocks the gun off, uh, you know, out of his way, and then because of that, he misses Charlize, and then the other villain knocks out Garth. Garth's out cold. But what... What needs to be said right here is that so when he misses with the sniper rifle, he hits the spotlight and that automatically lights the entire ground around him on fire like gasoline is spread all over the place. It happens fast. It's a little known fact that all fairgrounds are covered in kerosene on the floor. Covered in kerosene. Gotta do it, dude. That's how you entice people. Right. <laughs> how else are the French gonna come to your place? What, are you gonna sell corn dogs without kerosene? That was a... Did I say... What did I say? How did, how else would the French enjoy come to your Can play? Come to your play. It's like a the an old expression. I don't about? guys. And I was really like, you're pretty so... weak tonight. I think Zach is dumb. Again, it's not. Are you kidding me though, <laughs> guys? I'm a little tipsy. Anyway, we're closing in on the final minutes of this fucking epic here, and. Uh, if your blood's not boiling at this point, you're not paying attention. So, oh God, uh, yeah, no, it's boiling all right. So Joe sees this kid up on the Ferris wheel, and again, at this point, uh, the Ferris first responders, wheel is police, in yeah, flames, yeah, yeah, every, there's fire everywhere, and he, everywhere. Oh come on! By the way, the actress playing this kid's mother, she, it's like she was told this is the one role you'll ever play, and you give it your fucking all. Because she's she like, does. she committed, oh, just, she committed, and I appreciate that. So, so the bad guy is chasing Charlize Theron yep. through the carnival, 
And Mighty Joe Young picks up the bad guy and throws him into an electric box or something. Yeah, well, like, first he like lands on some telephone poles or telephone pole wires yeah. and then collapses onto yeah, like a high voltage. Electrical. And the chief of police has seen all of this. He's like, nope, we definitely got to kill this monkey because he killed another person. Yeah, that guy so, gets fried to death. But because the Ferris wheel is on fire and Jason is up at the top, uh, Joe climbs up the Ferris wheel. He's like, I got to save this kid. But he doesn't talk. You can see it in his facial expressions, which is. But if he did talk. Guys, why doesn't this monkey talk? I why wanted it so bad. Talk? Like, let's I've stop sus- yeah, about I have suspended my disbelief already. You know what I mean? Just make the fucking make monkey the a talking 2000 pound gorilla talk. It's ridiculous. At least sign language. Yeah, I mean, guess Yeah, something. sign language would have been cool. Yeah, I that would have been really that cool. Been cool. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if the voice of Joe was James Earl Jones? It'd be Think magical. about it. I mean, yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, or Paul Rudd. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or, or Paul Dano. Get out of here, Paul. Leave! Or Paul Giamatti. Or Paul Giamatti. That's we're the worst Paul. Anyway. It doesn't sound like Guys, we are derailing. This always happens when PG's name gets mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. You can't mention Paul Giamatti and not talk about him for a couple of seconds. devolving into conversation for hours and hours. So Joe's going to say this little kid, the police reluctantly you know, refuse to shoot him. And they're like, the stand up. Oh, fire. God, God damn it. I thought my, I had a story I was telling in my head already to my friends. Mm-hmm. It started with me shooting a gorilla. <laughs> but, but how could you shoot Joe? You know, again, after he's, he's caused the death like of at people. least two or three oh, people. We've seen at least three people get Catch but on think fire about the circumstances. You take a gorilla out of his natural environment, try to put him in California, keep him captive. Nobody cared about that when they shot Harambee. Yeah. He just wants to be free. Oh, we know. So he gets Jason. He's up at the top. It's very King Kong-esque. And he falls with the Ferris wheel. It's actually kind of a cool little action set piece here. And he lands on his back. You think he might be dead. And in case you didn't think he might be dead, the filmmakers spend the next minute convincing you he's fucking dead. Yeah. I've never seen, like... And better acting on behalf of either Charlize or Bill Paxton in my entire life. I was going to say, this is incredible acting here. Pushing reporters away, telling them to just like give them a minute. Back off! He's fine! Back off! And then, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences watching this film as a young girl? I mean, there were just tears just throughout the entire thing. Oh, I'm sure. Started crying when mom died. Started crying when Joe just like felt like he was alone and he was isolated in this captivity. But more specifically, you think Joe is dead. Yeah. You watch Charlene hugging this creature that she grew up with, that she loved, she protected. She's just trying to make her mom proud and, 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 and do what she can to save his life. And now she's watching it just fall, fall out of her hands. But... Guess what, guys? After about a minute of establishing shots, it turns out he just had the wind knocked out of his mighty Joe lungs. <laughs> oh, sad. Stop it. <laughs> so after they milk that fucking moment forever, he does. He wakes up, and <laughs> this is the most ridiculous thing, though. So he wakes up, and he appears to be fine, and then Bill Paxton and Charlie Starin have this quick little conversation like, where are we going to send him? We literally have nowhere. We need money. And then 
<laughs> the, what is like it? The, the cop kid. first or the no, kid? No, dollar, dollar bill, no, y'all. Stripping like, dollar bills. Hands him like a, a dollar, a one dollar bill. Then the police officer comes over and he's like, "Here for Joe," and it's a single dollar. Even bill. though Joe killed people, I'm yeah. still going to donate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, then, like I don't know the uh, maybe a hundred people who are there at the carnival still kind of usher up. Then we cut to. A goddamn wildlife refuge in Joe's name that's being opened up as if they've gained, raised that amount of money from- Who wouldn't donate to Joe? Me! GoFundMe did not exist at this point. Not exist. Didn't have to. So they're finally able, I guess, raising money from, you would assume, the rest of the people in the country to open the- Joe Young Wildlife Preserve. The Mr. Joe Young Wildlife <laughs> the Preserve. The Mr. Joe Young Esquire Wildlife Preserve. Yeah, but if you didn't know uh, what was going on, don't worry. There's narration for the first time in the, the movie. The first time ever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, needed. She's like Charlie writing, writing a like, letter to someone. I have no I idea guess. who she's writing yeah. a letter to. Dear Joe. It'd <laughs> be hilarious if she was writing one too, Joe. And so they, they cut the ribbon of this wildlife preserve with a machete. <laughs> obviously obviously because that's how you do it and like joe walks up and he makes monkey noises and Charlize they on and bill paxton are hugging each other and then he turns joe turns around and he starts sprinting through the field and Charlize Theron delivers this great voiceover final line yeah it's something i i don't know the actual legend that they call him i believe it's Gez- Gazimerous? Who cares, dude? So I'm just going to say G-word, okay? Other people say G-word is just a legend. I say legends live forever. And then we get the sweeping score and a CGI... Significantly less less significant (laughs) when you call him (laughs) G-word. It just sounds foul. Yeah, it really does. Anyway, then we get some CGI shots of uh, Joe just running around in his new habitat, happy and free, credits roll, Mighty Joe Young. Yes. Whew. All right, let's talk about this. Let's do it. Because we're already, how long is this episode? I feel like this is a, a real Mighty Joe Young length. We're actually, we're pushing like an hour right now. We're actually pushing like an hour right now. So, Taylor, you are the special guest, and you are the one who recommended we watch this movie. Um, keep in mind, the whole point of this podcast is to look at a film objectively now that you are grown up. So now that you are a grown up, you've seen this movie objectively. Yeah. What did you think As of this, if this film? film came out in 2017? Does, does your nostalgia hold up? I would say it holds up for the most part. Uh, I loved it as a kid, and I think I loved it just because I was a fan of Charlize, and there was a giant gorilla in a movie who you like identified with and loved Uh, there was obviously some problems and i think that we uh established those issues but for the most part like you can't help but but fall in love with joe and the relationship that uh charlize and bill paxton have and so for me like there were still some issues but for the most part it held up i i enjoyed it okay so what did it get on rotten tomatoes of 55 52 percent 52 so out of 100 using the rotten tomato score what do you give Mighty Joe Young? A 62. Okay. 62%. 62. Does that make it fresh? Certified fresh? That's not certified fresh, but that's a fresh that rating. That is fresh, not certified. Okay, that is a fresh rating. So, Brandon, why don't you go ahead next? Uh, I enjoyed this a lot as a kid. Rewatching it as an adult, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm struggling to find a lot to latch on to. I, I, so much of this, I think, is predicated on whether you believe in Mighty Joe Young, and I just never for a moment 
I could not get over it. Like, there was still just something there that, like, I can't quite believe this character. And I also just wish that there was, like you said, either subtitles or some sort of communication with them. Because unlike Free Willy, uh, which I think is more about that character's growth, Charlize doesn't really grow as a character. She pretty much stays the she same. Doesn't she doesn't need to. No, you're right. She doesn't really need to. She's a good character. But at the same respect, you're meant to believe, I guess, that Joe, I guess, would have the arc. But... You don't know enough really about him. There's too much time spent with humans. It's too long. But in the same respect, I also find it really innocent and just really well-meaning. And it's just trying to tell a good family story. Like, it's got a good message. So, I don't know. I'm going to give it a... I give it a 38. A 38. Okay. Um, So... I guess I will go now. So watching this movie, I was trying to figure out uh, what about the general plot I didn't like. Um, Because I knew I didn't like it. I just couldn't figure it out. And then it hit me about halfway through. And it's that if you look in the grand scheme of movies, this plot is kind of unoriginal. Um, Like, honestly, it strikes me as a nice King Kong. Mm-hmm. It's about this animal who is kind of the master of his domain in the wild. He's taken into an urban setting where he clearly doesn't fit in. Um, a blonde woman is like is the only person who can tame him. It's I mean it's King Kong, but in a family setting, and I it's a very unoriginal plot for me. There's also a lot of other issues in terms of um, some of the humor in there that was clearly just fed in there because it was supposed to be a family movie really didn't do it for me and like brandon said this movie is far too long for what it is i think if we'd cut it down maybe a half hour 45 minutes that's perfect i think they can a get half the pl- hour yeah a good a, at least a solid 20 minutes could at have been least cut out of this. at least a solid 20 minutes i mean there were so many parts that we didn't cover because they were just pointless. We talked about this scene where at one point Bill Paxton and his band of uh, goons capture a leopard. That scene goes on for like three minutes. Nothing comes of it. While appreciated, Regina King's character is useless. Provides nothing Useless? To what does she yeah. provide? There's a few characters like Support. that. Support? <laughs> oh my god. I think this is just a classic example of one of those 90s movies. They happened in the 80s and the 70s too where the whole movie is built around this effect and the effect, while great in 1998, Looking back in it is not as impressive as it should be, and so when, it's when the whole yeah. movie is based on your effects and they don't hold up quite up to the standard as you hope, you don't have much after that. But the story isn't terrible. The acting's good, too, and, and again, these two lead performances, thank God we have them. Well, so that's what I was going to say. Uh, that's some of the negatives on here, obviously. I, didn't, I wasn't crazy about some of the special effects, even though it was nominated, but I do appreciate the effort. Um, I I have been pretty up for uh, upfront about the fact that I love practical effects in this movie, and they do utilize that. Um, but and the acting's good, um, the score is really good. There's not a lot else going for me. I think it's an unoriginal plot. I think it's um, there's a like we mentioned as a joke, but it's true. There were a lot of movies based around gorillas and monkeys coming out around this time that did this way better. Um, that being said, I didn't hate it. I really didn't. Um, I think out of 100, I'm going to give this movie a 47. Shit. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. There we go. 
Taylor, I feel like you don't want to go yeah, home Taylor, with me you tonight. Taylor, you seem a little upset. <laughs> you seem a little upset. What are you thinking right now? I just think you have to go in, like, with a certain mindset. And if you are not a fan of Joe, like, from the first five minutes in, then it's like, don't bother watching it. That's how I feel. That's true. No, you're, you're right. You know, yeah. it's like, for me, I guess, but again, it's all about the nostalgia, and that's what this show is all about. I think if you go in and you've never seen this film before, you're not going to have that sentimental feeling and I'm sure that you guys talk about that a lot when you watch some of the movies that you saw as a kid and then you review them later but for me when I saw this as a kid I loved Joe I just thought that he was the most adorable and endearing creature and I think that carried over with me and it never really went away this so. is this is definitely a general problem that we run into in this podcast when we do films like this is that we're looking at them as you know adults in our mid-20s um when these films are meant for like 12 and 13 year old right. kids and that kind of definitely affects our view of them because we don't hold them to the kind of standards we do as kids but in that same respect i will watch a movie that i rate a 20 that that means these ratings that we assign these movies are, are just what we base them on critically you know mm-hmm. how they are perceived stacked up to a movie in their genre as of right now in 2017, if this movie were to come out today, compared to the family films we're Flop. getting from Pixar and what, this movie would not. This movie would get terrible reviews. Flop. But I that's, think that's the point of this show is to kind of. Do, yeah. But in the same respects, it's a movie that I would show. You know, kids. It's a very good family film, in my opinion. It's not bad. It's 100%, entertaining. Yeah. It is just. It's too long. It's a little too long. I think that the length. And a few of the, if the story was a little bit tighter, it probably could have gotten me to a fifty. It's it's not that, you know. It's just it's the effects are just a little a little shoddy, but 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 still entertaining and endearing. It is a little endearing. Yeah. No, I just think it's cool to revisit the feelings that you had as a kid when you were watching. Like I remember where I was. I was sitting in my living room. Mom just bought me Mighty Joe Young as a kid. I was stoked. Love Charlene, and it's just cool to be able to remember those moments as a child. Now, when you know I'm 25 years old, and and just appreciating it. So, like, while we understand that there are obviously some technical flaws with this film and the many others that you guys discuss on this show, I just think it's kind of cool to be able to remember where you were as a kid when you were watching this and then just kind of figure out if it holds up now. For me, it held up now for the most part, but I can recognize that there were a couple issues. Well, and that's the whole point of where the nostalgia comes from because obviously we love to remember those moments where you're, you know, your mom bought you the VHS or uh, in my experience when I saw this movie in film, the whole point is to look past it and see critically what we can look at these <laughs> movies and be like, was this Taylor, really not looking actually at this critically. good? Yeah. Um, and to me, it was okay it wasn't great but it was okay okay well i'm glad we took this trip with you taylor yeah taylor thank Thanks you for having so me. much thank you so much for being on the podcast <laughs> i hate you so much uh, but uh thank you for listening we're, we're, we're gonna keep this train a chugging we've got four pretty sweet selections uh, oh coming up here we've got really good uh listener requests this month um just because we don't pick your movie this month again you can always keep sending in requests at uh nostalgia be damned on facebook you can also go to nostalgia be damned pod at gmail.com we can take your suggestions there obviously on itunes nbd.podbean.com um, all these different ways to reach us. If you send us something on the comment section, we normally get it. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. 
What are we doing next week? Next week, uh, we are taking the request from uh, the Thrill Me podcast. Those mm-hmm. guys wrote in and asked us to do Con Air. And we are Oh, doing man. It. I'm so excited. I was a huge Nick Cage fan as a kid and still am to this day, of course. Are you out of your... Okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, this was back when he was, you know, chugging and turning out 90s classic after classic. The Rock face off this one. It, it's not, it was a nonstop parade of, of wonderfulness. We'll get into that next week. But um, anything else that. Uh, you know, just write us a review, guys, if you can. It takes two oh, minutes. Yeah. And if you do and you take a picture and you send it to me uh, on our email, uh, I'll give you a digital code. I've got a bunch of extras for a few movies. So if you just write, just let us know that you've wrote a review, give us proof. We'll send you a free digital copy for a film. There you go. A little movie for a little review. That's great. We appreciate that. So, uh, Zach, anything you'd like to say before we wrap up here? Yeah, I'd just like to mention that uh, Nostalgia Be Damned is brought to you by uh, Snowflake Peanut Butter. Snowflake Peanut Butter. It's uh, peanut butter made in the Alps. Okay, that was was weird. (laughs) Was that an ad? Yeah. For for peanut butter in the Alps? <clears throat> yeah, snowflake peanut butter. So this is normally the part of the show where you go on some stupid tangent about how we're on some... Okay, it's fake, not stupid. No, I mean, what's the network? What's going on here? So the, we're some... Listen, we're on the network now, and uh, they've got us a couple of sponsors, and... Um... You know, I think just honestly, but I wouldn't be broadcasting it if I didn't love Snowflake Peanut Butter because Snowflake Peanut Butter has low calories, okay? It's healthy for you, free of GMOs, gluten-free, organic, okay? So what what exactly is in Snowflake Peanut Butter? It sounds like there's drugs in it. Taylor, I, I don't want to get into what's in peanut butter. If you want to look up Snowflake Peanut Butter, you can go to snowflakepeanutbutter.com, write them a review, uh, like their page. They will send you a free box of Snowflake Peanut Butter uh, cartons. They come in cartons. I don't know why. Um, it's free. Like a milk carton? Yeah, don't look into yeah, it too really much. Yeah, doesn't really sound... I looked up the website. It it's not here. It's okay, it's not made here. in the Alps. They're a different culture. Get over it. So uh, is the bottom line that in order to continue doing this podcast, we have to plug shitty things like this? I wouldn't say that's the case. And Snowflake Peanut Butter is certainly not shitty. It's been rated by the U.S. Health Organization as just healthy enough not to give you salmonella. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I just tried it. It's awful. Are you kidding me? You're never allowed <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. Like, shit, you have ruined. Taylor, why don't you say goodbye? Uh, thank you for stopping by. It was good having you. Yeah, thank you. It's been a blast. All right, real good sign off. Thank you. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Peace out, motherfuckers. <laughs> Lost was terrible. In my